Gerard Mayo's coaching staff with the New England Patriots has finally met the media, and it's a new era in Foxborough. What does it mean on the field? What does it mean in the draft room? Stick around. You're about to be locked in to the Locked On Patriots podcast. You are Locked On Patriots, your daily New England Patriots podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all of you, Foxborough faithful, and thank you once again for making Locked On Patriots daily part of your New England Patriots coverage, and hopefully your first listen each and every day. Remember, Locked On Patriots is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. So smash that subscribe button and download and follow wherever you get your podcasts to ensure that you get the latest episode as soon as it's available. I'm your host, Mike DeBate. I cover your New England Patriots for Patriots Country of Sports Illustrated. So reach out to me and let me know what's on your mind on X at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-N-F-L. While you're out there showing some social media love to Locked On Patriots, please follow our account there as well at L-O underscore Patriots. And Pats fans, it's time to meet the new coaches. On Wednesday, Gerard Mayo introduced his inner sanctum of the New England Patriots coaching staff. Demarcus Covington as the defensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt as your offensive coordinator, and Jeremy Springer coaching the special teams. It was exciting to meet these guys, but one guy we don't have to meet here in Patriots Nation is the gentleman that is joining me today. And we're going to break this all down, close the week in style as we opened it in style here on Locked On Patriots. My good friend, the legend himself, the Don of Locked On Patriots, Thomas Murphy. Murph, thank you so much for coming to me today in friendship and for helping me cap this week in style, Don Murph. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, you know, in in the immortal words of uh, Papio Daniel in, in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm. These folks are going to be my brain trust. <laughs> and the New England Patriots definitely do have a brain trust. For the yeah. first time since 2017, all three top-of-the-line coaches in New England are going to have titles. They're all going to be coordinators. And Gerard Mayo hinted at this. When he took the reins of the New England Patriots, he expressed the value of titles. He expressed the mm -hmm. value of open communication, of availability. Well, he kind of put all of them on display on Wednesday afternoon. His executive-level yep. coaching staff, folks, has now met the media. And you could sense there was a different tone in the air from the moment that Gerard Mayo stepped to what is now a seated dais as opposed to a standing podium. Gerard basically put it all on his new coaches. He said, today is really about the new coaches, the new coordinators. We're excited to have them. We're excited to get to work. Murph. You've followed this team, you've covered this team for a number of years now, yeah. and you know the differences in certain coaches that have taken the reins here in New England. When you take a look at what Mayo had to say, because I know you've had a chance to go over the transcripts, see some of the clips, yep. read about what he had to say, your impressions on how he handled his first press conference, New England Patriots head coach, and what you think it means moving forward for a fan's experience when it comes to relating to this team. Um, I think he handled it really well. I, mm -hmm. I thought it, it went swimmingly in his favor. It was, it was, um, as you said, a, a, a communal sit down, you know, everybody, everybody sit down around the campfire. He was, he was open and I think honest. Um, 
I, I, I thought he did. I thought he did a fantastic job. Um, mm-hmm. I also thought that, you know, he might've glossed over a few things with the fact that, you know, um, uh, his offensive coordinator is the last offensive coordinator. Not, uh, I mean, his offensive coordinator was the last one that, that he interviewed and, um, you know, others turned down the job because mm-hmm. right now this is not a very attractive job. All right. You look at, um, you look at this offense and what has been said about it. I mean, you, we, we have no idea who the tackles are on this mm-hmm. team right now. All Good right. Point. Never mind. You talk about, um, the weapons that, that people say that, that this team is lacking. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it was, it was, eye-opening he he was he was as candid as any any coach that I've ever seen over the past 20 years that that or 15 years that I've covered this team 20 years that that since Bill Belichick walked through those doors 20 plus years now and um and yeah I, I he did good a lot of what Gerard had to say on Wednesday really was cloaked with a lot of optimism yeah. uh you could hear it uh that was the central message that's the message he wanted to get across whether he believes it in his heart of hearts or not I truly yeah. believe he does Gerard Mayo is a very transparent individual folks and I say that with reverence that's exactly who he is if he's feeling a certain way or he's thinking a certain thing he's going to tell you and he's going to tell you very honestly um one of the things that struck me listening to him and watching him speak and open up this press conference, getting ready to introduce his new three subordinate coaches was the mention of relationships. He talked about specifically, he talked about Alex Van Pelt, Demarcus Covington and Jeremy Springer as quote unquote relationship guys. Okay. Stuff that he had to say about Alex Van Pelt saying that before you get into the X's and O's, you have to know that the coaches care about you. And he knows that Alex Van Pelt is the type of guy that's going to communicate that to his players. Mentioned the same thing about Demarcus Covington saying that, you know, he's a great relationship guy too. He develops his players in mind, in body and in spirit. And that really is Demarcus's catchphrase. We've heard him use that before on conference calls and Zoom conferences. Marcus is very, very big on that. That seems to be a prevalent theme throughout now what's going to be the Mayo regime here in New England. When you think of relationship guys and you think of that type of back and forth with the players, um, what do you think that's going to translate to in terms of the product that we see on the field? Could we see a more Mm -hmm. loose New England Patriots team next year? Because of that, do you expect the play on the field to respond to it? Um, I'm not sure. That all comes down to talent. It really does. Um, you know, the uh, what 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 happens on the field is is execution. And um, it, that didn't happen last year for whatever reason. Uh, you know, with, with talent level, um, respect for the coaching. It, it was, you know, on the offensive. It, it just did not happen. And it, it did on the defensive side of the uh, of the ball. That's for damn sure. Um, it uh, that was fantastic. But it, it, it's all going to come down to this team gelling together and getting on the same page and wanting to uh, embrace what is being told to them from the front of the room. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. We are going to see a tremendous amount of turnover on this team uh, in the next you know, six months. Mm-hmm. And those type of people, um, those types of coaches are, are generally um, successful in the short term. Whether they can be successful in the long term is the question. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm not saying that um, 
they're going to come out as gangbusters next year. They're going to end up in the playoffs, win a round, and, you know, and shake up the world. Uh, I certainly don't mean that they're going to make a Super Bowl run, no matter who's under center. Uh, but, you know, the feel-good thing is 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 always nice. But I never got the um, the impression last year, with, with the exception of from Mr. Brown, who who was released recently, that uh, there there was much divisiveness or the fact that you know people did not want to come to work. Is you bring up a very good point in that it's almost the situation where people are reading into that and saying, well, that means that there was a right. lot of tension in the room last year. Right. That means there was a lot of negativity. We hear the term all the time, and this is a term that Gerard used himself on Wednesday ego-free zone. I want this coach's room to be very open, very candid. I want there to be a lot of free dialogue going back and forth. It gives the impression that that hasn't been the case here in New England. Yep. You and I know from speaking with people that were in those rooms, both players and you know coaches and front office members and, and people that are connected with the team, that that doesn't necessarily the case. Yeah, there are moments no. of tension yeah. in every NFL locker room, in every coach's room. But you also look at it and say, well, you know, it wasn't necessarily so much of a departure from what they had last year. Right. I think the transparency and the fact that we're going to have much more of a front row seat to what happens behind closed doors, that's where the difference is going to come in. It's not necessarily such a difference in how things are run behind the scenes. I think the transparency is where the difference is going to come in. And that's where that ego-free zone comes in. Uh, I think that's kind of what Gerard means by that. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean... the. I'm sorry, I, I keep feeling like he's taking shots at his mentor and the man who gave him a shot, not only on a football field. Anybody would have given Gerard Mayo a shot on the football field, except for a few people who passed on him that year in the draft. But, you know, welcomed him back into coaching. And in a very short span of time, uh, he has managed to make his way um, without any kind of uh, uh, coaching title. Uh, to become a head coach of one of the most successful franchises in NFL history. Judging on what I've seen from Gerard and judging on what I saw from him all year last year and the transparent nature of the way he does handle questions, even under a Belichickian regime, folks, for everyone who thinks that they were under some sort of pseudo gag order that they right. weren't allowed to speak, uh, Gerard is always very candid. He always has been. Um, and I don't think that's changed. I think that's only gotten more prevalent as he's taken this head coach's position for the New England Patriots. I don't necessarily know if it's a shot at his a former employer. Okay. I don't necessarily know if it's taking shots at his mentor, but I do think it's more about him trying to forge his own identity. In order to do that, you almost have to take a look at what the former regime did and step out into a completely different pillar of light and say, that was then, this is now, this is how I'm going to do things. I get the impression it's more of the former than the latter, but again, it does okay. have that type of overtone to it, and I can't understand it. I do understand but, where people are coming from. But Gerard has has also seen in the past that, uh, you know, coaches that have left New England and gone on mm -hmm. to be head coaches, um, being a Bill Belichick clone does not work. Yeah, And absolutely. I will give him huge credit for that. It doesn't work with the media. It does not work with the players. These players know that they aren't sitting in front of Bill Belichick, six-time Super Bowl champion uh, head coach, and um, he's going to have to do things differently, whether or not it works out that way. And, you know, we're all sitting around the locker room singing Kumbaya <laughs> in week 12, 
uh, is has yet to be seen. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think you make a great point because Bill I, Belichick. I'm sorry, I've said it before. I mean, yeah. it, it's a completely different animal being a, an assistant coach, uh, a coordinator, and being a head coach of any team, of yeah. any team. The assistants are always everybody's best friend. Before we take our leave of this subject, I know you had touched on this briefly before, and you talked about the new coaching dynamic and being yep. a Bill Belichick clone, not necessarily being the best thing. We've right. seen guys continuously trip over themselves trying to be Bill and not being yep. able to be Bill, whether it be Eric Mangini in New York, whether it be Matt Patricia in Detroit, whether it be Josh McDaniels in Denver or in Las right. Vegas. If you're not packing the room with guys that you know are going to buy into your message, no one that's sitting there... Nope is going to buy into it. It's just you have to have the right people at the right time to buy into it. But one of the things that Gerard pressed yesterday and one of the big takeaway items from this press conference, uh, at least until he introduced uh, his three coaches, he mentioned how the Patriots in the past, didn't mention Belichick by name, but right. did say that the Patriots have typically had small coaching staffs. Right. The Patriots have welcomed a total of 19 new coaches, 17 yeah. of which are new faces in new roles. Historically, that is not the Patriot way. So this is going to be a departure. And Gerard followed that up by saying it's hard to get things done that way in today's NFL. More people in the room, more voices to be heard. You think this is a good thing for the New England Patriots moving forward? Um, I think right now it's a good thing. Um, Gerard Mayo needs as many people there as sounding boards and guys who have been in those positions before as he possibly can get. Um, personally, um, you know, over the years, that small coaching staff had worked really, really well for New England and for Bill Belichick. And um, it put a lot of uh, it put a lot on the plates of those few. All right. And now, hopefully, with things spread out a little bit more, guys will walk away from the table a little bit hungry and uh, and want to move up. Um, we, we talked about the, the fact that, you know, you now have defined roles. Well, Bill Belichick didn't have defined roles for his his uh, coaches because their their roles evolved so much. And also because, you know, he was he's quite frankly thinking of them. It's a lot easier if you want to leave and take a coaching coordinator's job if you don't have a coaching coordinator's uh, title. Okay, mm -hmm. there's nothing keeping a keeping someone here if if coordinator's not there and or or wide receiver coach or or this coach or that coach. And um, I, I'm not going to turn this into a let's defend Bill thing, but um. No, I, I do believe that that Bill expected too much out of his coaches, that he expected them to uh, to handle a load that, that was probably bigger than they were able to. And I think these guys might be able to do a better job focusing a little more on uh, on their position and not, you know, everyone else's or, or not having to 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 polish off everything that was on that large plate. 
Yeah, good point. And I think you heard that yesterday. To each his own specialty was really a common takeaway that I had from that room, listening to Alex Van Pelt, mm -hmm. listening to Demarcus Covington, and listening to Jeremy Springer. They talked about personal relationships, but they also talked about right. making sure that the players knew their roles, making sure that the players knew the coaches' roles, who to go to when you have right. a certain question, when you have a problem. Those were issues that were prevalent the last couple of years in New England, and for better or for worse, that needed to be corrected, whether Bill right. came back or whether Gerard now is the new man and the head coach's seat. Whoever was going to be the head coach this year knew that had to change, and it had to change in a big way. But for all of you folks out there that think that this is a complete 180 in every aspect of the New England coach's room, Murph, I give you Demarcus Covington. And this is my right. takeaway quote from yesterday. Talking specifically about the defense and saying that we're not going to reinvent the wheel. There's not going to be a lot of drastic changes. Why would you? This is the seventh overall right. ranked defense in the league last year, folks, and the team was 4-13. and 13. That should tell you how good that unit was. DeMarcus's quote sounds familiar. <laughs> Let's just say it sounds familiar. Quote, I think what we want to see is a physical team, a team that plays with good discipline and fundamentals, a team that attacks the football and takes it away from the opponent, That's what we're trying to look for with our defense. Yep. A team that goes out there, plays together for one another, that type of togetherness. Maybe with the exception of the word togetherness, sounded very Belichickian yeah. of Demarcus Covington. And yeah. folks, that influence will still be there. So for any of you Belichick purists that are worried that that is going to be completely taken out of the room I think guys like Demarcus Covington and including Gerard Mayo and including right. Dante Hightower, who played for this guy and won championships with this guy. Yeah, I don't think it's completely yeah. going out of the room. <laughs> and and Van Pelt was was um, not an echo of that, but he he talked about putting uh, players in their best position to succeed and using his players in the best way possible, you know, in depending on how this this roster on his side of the ball fills out. And, um, you know, people are talking about how how the fact that, you know, you want to build a team that that can win in a myriad of different ways. Van Pelt mm -hmm. talked about how he's bringing stuff in from Cleveland and from Green Bay and all the stops that he made. Well, I mean, for for years here, people, how did the Patriots win? By by beating you where you're weakest, by being able to adapt week to week. And 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 that's something that that I'm finding um also quite Belichickian in 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 thinking going forward and I'm all for that I'm all for that I mean if you can keep the best of Bill Belichick in 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 your coaching plans the better so very well said because there is a little back to the future in some of these coaches including Alex Van Pelt who you just yep. mentioned he used the term we heard last year taking a little trip back into the Bill O'Brien DeLorean folks And yep. mentioning the words clean slate. Yeah, that's right, folks. You know who he's talking about. The same guy Bill O'Brien was talking about last year at this time. Mac Jones. I feel like Lloyd Christmas, Murph. So you're telling me there's a chance? Yeah, folks, there actually might be a chance based on what Alex Van Pelt said on Wednesday. Yep. Is that chance really a good one? Well, Murph and I are going to discuss that in just a moment when this episode of the Locked On Patriots podcast continues a proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On listeners, are you the kind of drivers that like to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? 
Well, our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives and for great escapes. Their class-exclusive Google built-in is your always updating assistant, and you can call on it for almost anything. Gone are the days of connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. The 2024 Rogue is the perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure. Nissan doesn't stop there. Oh, no, folks. Nissan's incredible lineup also includes the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. It has room up to eight, an expansive cargo capacity, and an advanced available 4x4 capability. With 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds of towing capability, when adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. Take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, or the Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. Patriots fans, thank you once again for joining us here today on Locked On Patriots. Close the week in style here with our good friend, the legendary Connor Murphy Fisto himself, Thomas Murphy. Murph, we met the coaches in the previous segment. We talked a little bit about Gerard Mayo's new leadership style, how some Belichickian elements are still going to remain in that locker room. And we touched upon Alex Van Pelt and some of what he had to say in terms of making sure that all the players that play under him are put in the proper position to succeed. Well, there was an eerie familiarity in the air on Wednesday when Van Pelt addressed the media. And he mentioned two words that I know may send chills up and down the spine of a lot of Patriots fans out there. <laughs> yeah, that's right, folks. He used the words clean slate. Yep. Yeah, stop us if you heard this one before. Mac Jones getting the clean slate. He was talking about everybody, by the way, folks. He did not specifically single out Mac nope. Jones. Everyone gets he a clean was, slate with me. But he was asked about Mac and did yep. include him with that. Murph, I know we've been very vocal about the fact that we believe it's in the best interest of the team. It's in the best mm -hmm. interest of Mac himself, clearly in the best interest of Alex Van Pelt to move on from Mac in this offseason. Give him an opportunity to rebuild his career, rebuild his confidence elsewhere, and the Patriots move in a different direction at the quarterback position. Now, we know the Pats own the number three overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. They could roll the dice on a potential franchise quarterback, but regardless, right up until Van Pelt made these comments, it looked like almost a certainty that the Patriots would have a new signal caller. Right. But when a coach makes a statement like this, you can't simply dismiss it as being nothing. First of all, do you think this idea of a clean slate has any merit at all? And is it the right rhetoric for Alex Van Pelt to be using when it comes to all his players, including Mac Jones? Um, yeah, I, I do think it has credence. Uh, I really do. Uh, if you are a coach uh, worth your salt, um, you think you can fix anybody. Mm. You really do. All right, and th this is a man who worked with how many how many quarterbacks last last year? Uh, six, mm -hmm. seven, yeah, you know. Um, won eleven games too. <laughs> yeah, and won eleven games. Uh, he picked Joe Flacco up off the the. You know, I don't want to say the scrap heap, but you know he made him relevant again. Made the mm -hmm. man um, comeback player of the year. I could I could do that with Mac Jones. That's what Alex Van Pelt mm -hmm. is thinking right now. Also, you don't want to show your hand to the entire world when it comes to what the Patriots are going to do in this upcoming draft. Uh, as, mm -hmm. as for a clean slate with everybody else, 
yeah, he has a clean slate with everybody else. And saying that is is only uh, a smart move on his point because he doesn't know which of these guys is going to end up being on his team next year. Okay, he's yeah. going to have to work with the Devonta Parkers, and he's going to have to he's going to have to work with the uh, Ramondre Stevensons, and he's going to he's going to have to work with with um you know uh, hopefully the Hunter Henrys and the Farrell Browns of the world, and and convince them that you know you, you, with a clean slate and under me we can fix what was broken last year. We can we can you know get a little movement going, a little more movement uh, going pre snap, and and get you guys open a little more. Um, you know, it's, it's, he needs to build these guys up before he tears them down. Okay. Mm -hmm. Usually if if you're, if you're, um, if you're a long-term coach there and you have somebody coming in, sometimes you need to tear them down before you build them up. And like Tom Brady, you know, what the hell you do? Run that again, Brady. Um, but other than that, no, I, I do think it's prudent. And I do think that if Van Pelt is going back and looking at college film, of uh of mac jones and he's going back and looking at film of him in his rookie season he's seeing somebody that he can work with and quite frankly probably could run the the uh the types of offense that that he wants to do week in and week out if he sits down and he works with them and uh he get you know things can come together um that's that that might be a pride thing with coaches. I think it, I think it is. Uh, I mean, I've been, um, I've succumbed to that and overcome that on several occasions with different ball players in, in my, in my personal history. And that kind of allows me to play devil's advocate for a moment as well and saying, okay, well, you know, even if it does have credence and this is a mm-hmm. situation where Alex Van Pelt does believe, because I do believe it is the prudent course of action. I'm in yeah. completely agreement with you. You don't want an offensive no. coordinator to get up there before he's conducted a single practice or a single team meeting right. and say, oh, yeah, I know he's well, on the roster, but he's not yeah. in our plans. You're not going right. to hear a guy say that. Any coach worth his salt would never do that. Alex Van Pelt is a very good coach. He's not right. going to do something like that. That being said, we've talked several times about the damage done to Mac Jones' reputation in that building. And our good friend, ESPN's Mike Reese, had a very interesting tidbit to make on Thursday morning, the day after Alex Van Pelt was introduced to the media, saying that there is a slight undercurrent in the New England Patriots organization that believes that Mac Jones can be salvaged, that believes that there could be a little bit of a turnaround if he's given the right opportunity to do so. However... That is a slight undercurrent. The vast majority in the room right now seems to believe that the relationship is damaged beyond repair, and he would have to win over an awful lot of people in order to do that. Not impossible, right? But very difficult. But but still, we we've talked about it before. It's not the coaching staff. It's not the crafts. Okay, it's the guys in that locker room. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, it, it's the guys in that locker room. The, the the guys who have seen the outbursts and 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 um you know, seeing the, 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 the deflation of, you know, for lack of a better word, um, of Mac Jones and, and, you know, his swagger when walking into that room, Uh, it's just not what it was even two years ago as a, as a rookie. Um, it's, it's going to be, uh, very difficult for Mac Jones to, if he's, if he's here in any capacity, to win back those guys that have walked away from him. Hmm, and that's absolutely. the bottom line as to why I think he's done here. Yeah. I think he could go somewhere and be a good serviceable quarterback, just like I thought on draft night. 
Um, I still think that he's the second best quarterback in that draft. Um, sorry, I told you all, you know, that uh, that and, and, and I still believe that that he could end up being a good journeyman quarterback. I, I don't know if he'll, if you put him in the right surroundings, he could do a lot of winning, but it, the right surroundings are not here. Yeah, I agree. And I think that at this point, folks, what you're probably looking at is the beginning of the end. You will start to see the hand be tipped a little bit more as the Patriots make their decisions. Free agency, I think, is going to tell the tale as well. Are the Patriots going to be active and looking right. at veteran quarterbacks, backups, guys that can come in and mentor a young quarterback that they may want to bring in? Or are they going to try to go aggressive in the trade market and maybe try to bring in an established veteran, someone that can take the helm of the ship right away in that case then you're looking at maybe some yeah. whole new options for the 2024 nfl draft and murph the draft season is in full swing senior bowl's already taken place we are only a couple of days away from the start of the nfl scouting combine in indianapolis and nfl network's daniel jeremiah has met with the media via conference call folks the annual rite of passage when it comes to that point of no return between draft or no draft season has passed. Daniel had some interesting things to say about the New England Patriots on this call. Murph and I are going to break that down in just a moment, and whether or not there might be a trade in the Patriots' future, we could see them out of that number three spot. Folks, don't worry about it. We're going to go over all the options. We're going to discuss all the angles when this episode of the Locked On Patriots podcast continues, a proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This next segment is brought to you by our sponsor, BetterHelp. And folks, sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest. Whether it's big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased on your life. So today, I want to say how I really feel about something. And you may even be thinking about the same thing this week, too. As Patriots fans, we're all excited for a new era here in Foxborough a new head coach in Gerard Mayo, a brand new coaching staff, and hopefully the start of a new championship run. But I know there's also a bit of melancholy out there. Bill Belichick is no longer the head coach. Matthew Slater is officially retired. And it just feels like the glory days in New England are slipping away. You're conflicted, and it's understandable to be overwhelmed by your feelings. Well, the same concept is true with all of life's circumstances. And therapy can help. Therapy can be different for everyone, and let's face it, most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team, and it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible, and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com lockdown to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash lockdown. Patriots fans, thank you once again for joining us here today on Locked On Patriots and closing the week in style the way we open the week in style with my good friend, the Count of Murphy Fisto himself, the legendary Thomas Murphy. And folks, earlier this week, we do apologize for some technical problems that prevented us from being able to bring you Mock Draft Monday on Mock on Draft Monday. Monday. It really became Mock Draft Wednesday, but you know what? You guys still turned out in droves to watch that episode. Thank I thank you so much for that, for staying locked in and for staying loyal to Locked On Patriots. Mock Draft Midweek. 
and the mock drafts that were sent in were phenomenal and folks we cannot wait to showcase your great work once again mock draft monday will be back it will be on monday this time and we look forward to showcasing all of your great insight so make sure to send those mock drafts in at mdabateNFL at tmurf207 or at LO underscore Patriots. And you can even send them in by email. We had a phenomenal amount of email submissions last week. LockedOnPatriots at gmail.com. You can send it into any one of those options. Perfect. It's the best time of the year. We love it. And every year before the Combine, NFL's Daniel Jeremiah has his annual conference call. And he meets with members of the media. I had the good fortune of being on that call. And a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he really yep. is. Daniel takes this very seriously, For does his homework, part. comes yep. in, and is w- very well prepared to discuss uh, all of the teams. And of course, here on Locked On Patriots, we're going to discuss Patriots. And the first thing that came up was whether or not the Patriots would consider doing anything at number three than picking a quarterback. The question specifically that was asked to him was, it does seem like a tricky decision because of the wealth of options that you have at this position. If you're the Patriots, do you just take whichever quarterback falls to you? Or do you really consider someone like a Marvin Harrison and one of the wide receivers, or maybe even an offensive tackle like Joe Alt? Well, Daniel Jeremiah seems to think that the Patriots should go with conventional wisdom. I'll quote you exactly what he said here. I think, obviously, they'll do their homework on all of the different options there. To me, it would be tough to pass on a quarterback. You're not guaranteed to be up here again. There's no guarantee of future years or what it's going to look like at the position. I look at whether, whichever one is there, if it's any of those top three quarterbacks, those guys that bring so much energy and life to your franchise, it just feels right. You have a new leadership in place. They're 30th in points per game, tied for last. That needs to change. That being said, he did express some love for Marvin Harrison at the wide receiver position. (laughs) I know some people will argue vehemently that if the Patriots are not sure about going with the quarterback, that Marvin Harrison is such a generational talent that you can grab him at wide receiver and plug in your pass catcher at a later time. I don't think the Patriots go that direction. I don't think they're built to sustain success in that fashion. You can't bring in an expensive sports car like Marvin Harrison without someone mm-hmm. that can drive it and without a suitable garage to protect it. Patriots don't have either one of those right now. Right. So in essence, you're wasting his talent until you're able to surround him with adequate right. talent. By that time, you may have lost or disenfranchised the player. That being said, Daniel seems to be very confident about the quarterback Based on what he had to say and based on the arguments that you've made before, does this challenge your thought process in any way? Are you still steadfast that you have to build from the O-line? Doesn't challenge me in any way, shape, or form. Good. None. I didn't think it should. Okay. (laughs) Daniel Jeremiah brought up the fact today that uh, he was in Gillette Stadium last year and there was no energy. None. Okay. Zero. And that by drafting a quarterback, it will re-energize Gillette Stadium. And that's the re- that's that's one of the reasons that they should take one of these three quarterbacks. Um, I think that is flawed thinking. I think that's uh, an analyst talking. I think that's somebody who wants talking points on television. I'm not about that. I'm about building this football team and getting it back to a Super Bowl. And this isn't going to uh, to take place overnight. We mentioned drafting Marvin Harrison as uh, as one of those exciting pieces to bring in. Who's getting him the ball? 
Mm-hmm. All right. And is that guy going to be upright and be able to get him a ball downfield? Uh, we've seen all year long uh, the, these past two seasons that, you know, with with the Patriots basically turning their back on the offensive line, what that has gotten them. Look at the look at the people that have left here, Joe Tooney and, and, and others in the past few years that the Patriots have just walked away from. And now they have this mess to fix. You have to fix this first. Mm-hmm. OK, or there will be no upright quarterback. There, there, there will be another shell of a human being back there. All right. If you if you have those wide receivers, there's the the quarterback is not going to uh, that quarterback that you draft, even with the wide receivers that are here. Guys like Tyquan Thornton don't have enough time to get downfield and and do the things that they were drafted to do, Hmm. you know, that you guys were all clamoring for. He's a speedster. You're supposed to get you've got to be able to sit there and pat that ball twice and get it, get uh, get him, let him get into his pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that didn't happen. The, the line is the place to start. And I know you guys have taken me to task in the comments down below, uh, over the past few weeks. And, and I don't mind that, you know, that's, that's, this is me. This is who I am. This is how I believe that you're going to, uh, to build a winning football team. And, and with Alex Van Pelt, believe me, there is going to be a lot of, running the football. There's going to be a lot Mm -hmm. of play action passes. Um, You can't do any of that without an offensive line. You Mm -hmm. can't implement the things that he wants to do without that offensive line. Now in this draft, I have, I have, you know, we're talked about mock drafts. I have mocked this draft. I've mused this draft, I should say in, Mm -hmm. uh, in over a dozen scenarios. And in most of them, I have been able to trade back profitably, getting five, six, seven top 100 picks by using this second round pick. And I still get my man all. I haven't, mm. I haven't, I haven't gone back farther than the sixth pick in this draft. That's a, that's a good point. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's my follow-up question here. If the New England Patriots are not going to go quarterback at number three, and right. there's still a very good chance that they will, folks. So for those of you clamoring for a Jaden Daniels or a Drake May or who knows, maybe a Caleb Williams falls to number three. If right. you're envisioning one of those guys in a Patriots uniform, I can tell you there's still a very good chance that happens. But mm. it almost seems like the only move that they can make at that point is to trade down incrementally right. to get someone like a Joe Alt or Bingo. like you've said before, get a solid player and maximize that draft capital. To me, the right. only way you stay at three is if you're going quarterback. That's it. There's no other reason to it because there's just so much that is going to be thrown at you. There are so many people that are uh, so many teams that are um, that are uh, quarterback starved and Mm -hmm. fan bases that scream for it so much and 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 ownership and GMs that listen to it. And they think that, you know, my entire uh, career is going to depend on this. I have to take the guy that's left there at three. Otherwise, I'm going to get run out of town. All right. Nobody's getting run out of town this year for making this pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but what could set you back is if you do make that mistake, if you do take the quarterback and he and you don't think that he is the man. All right. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't think any one of these three are a quarterback that I would take with one of the top three picks. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's just yeah. the, that's just the way I feel. Okay, you know, none of these guys is Peyton Manning. Okay, none of these guys is Andrew Luck. 
You know, uh, none of these guys is is Patrick Mahomes. Um, the, these comparisons are going to be brought brought up at nauseum, rolling up to you know take take Rattler in the third round. I mean, I've seen as as much you know out of him as I have some of these other guys. When you when you look at the the um, the competition that they go up against, the the mental makeup that they have, or um, you know the fact that you know surprisingly all of a sudden when they're surrounded by first round picks at wide receiver, they're balling out when mm. they didn't a year earlier at Arizona state. Mm. Okay. And, and and I'm not saying that these guys won't be successful. I'm just saying that I don't know that I could take that shot when I have these other options, when I can move down and, um, and, uh, you know, with Arizona and see if they will give me a couple of their twos. And then mm. I can move down with the Chargers and, you know, see if I can pick up one of their picks. You know, I and you could end up, like I said, with four, five, six top 100. You could end up with six or seven starters, you know, when, when you include your own second round pick out of this draft. Those are those are mm. seven holes that you could fill in this draft. And then you go get your quarterback. You 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 find the um you find the veteran to come in that that you really like, or or you know you you find the the Spencer Rattler there in the in the fourth round, or you find somebody uh, a quarterback with with your second pick in the second round, and take a, a a dice roll there. I'm just not willing to give up all of that for one of these three guys, yeah, the, and and the last one of these three guys. And I'm not trade. I'm not trading up with with the cost it's going to make. You know, not not that I can can see the Bears doing that again. But um, but uh, passing on 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 somebody. You know, every everybody knows who who they're going to take. It, it it's a foregone conclusion. But um, but no, I it just it, there's too many there's there's too much age on this team. They're 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 looking to get younger. This draft class is is super top heavy but it's super talented in that first 100 picks and i think that you could address so much and find what you need in another way um be it through trade or free agency or next year's draft as opposed to um to throwing it all pushing pushing you know all your chips in on one of these three guys. Yeah, I think Jeremiah would agree with you in this regard. Surprisingly, it actually does coincide with what you had to say. Trading up for a quarterback does signify a few things. One, it signifies that there is a team that's willing to move off that spot, that they've looked at the options available there, and they're willing to move from that spot, depending on the haul that they're going to get back. Traditionally, that has not boded well for teams that were aggressive coming up for guys. Right. We saw this happen with the San Francisco 49ers a couple of years ago. Yep. Granted, the San Francisco 49ers were in the Super Bowl this year, folks. That is an extremely talented team. But who with led Mr. them there? Irrelevant. Not the guy that they took with the number three pick. The guy they took with the last pick in the draft. Brock Purdy is the starter, not Trey Lance. So it just goes to show you that aggressiveness and trading up in those regards doesn't necessarily guarantee you the guy that you think you're going to get. But a lot of teams want to go ahead and do that. Yep. And the moment that the chance of the Patriots trading out of that number three spot was dangled, yeah, you can already see the beat writers from other teams kind of grabbing that chum, kind of going yeah. after that bait. And the Raiders came up. 
The Raiders sit at number 13 right now. A lot of people asked about them trading up. Daniel Jeremiah had a hell of a haul that the Patriots could get in return. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, he says, let's see here. The Raiders, you want to go up to number three? Here's your cost. 13th overall pick, your first rounder, and your third rounder in 2025, and your first rounder in 2026. That is not cheap, folks. That is two ones and the 13th this year and then two more. So three total number ones as well as a third round pick. Even if you were going to go quarterback, that's still tempting. Yeah, it is tempting, but it's something that I'd say no to. Um, mm-hmm. You're you're pushing these 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 picks off to the point where you're going to lose so many pieces between now and then on the defensive side of the ball that you would just be plugging other holes. Okay, well, that's the scenario that I that I paint out for you allows this team to get very young, very good, very quickly. Okay, and then you just need that final piece. Yes, it's the biggest piece in pro sports. I understand that, folks. But like Mike just said, look what San Francisco has been able to do the past two years with Mr. Irrelevant. Okay, Mm -hmm. and he was put in there after all these other pieces were put around him. All right. And and, you know, uh, they they use a, a uh, fullback. Bottom line, I think Murph makes an excellent point because by pushing the picks off, it does prolong the inevitable. And right. sometimes prolonging the inevitable can take you so far away from your goal that you can't find your way back. And okay. that's something that can be so detrimental for a team that's looking to reestablish its identity like your New England Patriots. Murph, it's not an exact science. There's always pros and cons to every yeah. move that can be made. Bottom line, folks, none of that matters when the draft arrives. The Patriots have a decision to make, and whether they choose to decide on number three or not, it'll still be a choice. And Murph and I are going to continue to bring you the very latest, all of the updated information on what that choice may be, how the Patriots can make it educatedly, and how they can also move forward and getting back to the level of respectability that we all know and love from our New England Patriots. Murph, it's been a blast this week. It's been a little bit of a disjuncted week here on Lockdown Patriots. But once again, folks, the tip of the cap to all of you everydayers, especially. In the meantime, I'm Mike DeBate. And on behalf of my good friend Thomas Murphy, I remind you all to stay safe and to stay well and to be the change you wish to see in the world. Have a great day, everyone. And we'll see you back here again on Mock Draft Monday on Locked on Patriots.